This is a CBC Podcast. Uh, what sign are you? Um, I'm a Sagittarius sun, but I actually usually will say I'm a Cancer rising. I like to put rising sign first. <laughs> <laughs> so you know my sign. So based on that, how well do you think this conversation is going to go? Great. Well, you're a Libra sun. I'm a Libra moon. Oh. I'm here to take care of you. Hey, I'm Claire Bonnyman. This week on The Loop, who am I? Just kidding. With Halloween coming up, this, of course, seemed like the perfect time to dig into the otherworldly side of Edmonton, specifically the witchcraft community. Alberta actually has a very long history of witchcraft in strong pagan circles. There are histories of covens across the province. And yes, the witches of Sylvan Lake even have a TikTok today. To dig into the season of The Witch, I spoke to Milo Offrine, the owner of Inner Nature Astrology and a member of Edmonton's pagan community. Have you always been into horoscopes? Yeah, I mean, I think that in a casual way when I was younger, in the like, oh, how cute and fun to read the coffee news. You know what I mean? But um, I think like a lot of queer people around my age. I got really into Chani Nicholas's stuff in kind of the mid-2000s. Um, and she's this really cool astrologer who, like, was able to mix, like, social justice and queer theory and astrology. And she put out these lovely pieces of work. I mean, she still does. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of around when I was inspired to learn about astrology. Although, I didn't actually know the time that I was born. Why not? Um, just because my mom didn't remember. I, I'd ask on my birthday usually. I'd be like, so tell me about my birth story, you know. <laughs> and she'd be like, it was 1 o'clock or 3 o'clock or, you know, it kind of would move around. So I wasn't super sure what my chart was, what my rising sign was. That was a bit of a block for a while of, okay. like, getting super deep and nerdy into it. But then one year, she was like, it was quarter to seven. I was like, oh, that's, there's minutes involved. This sounds accurate. And, and I also realized that I could, if I was that deeply nerdy. Yeah. Facts the hospital that I was born in to confirm, <laughs> which yeah. I did. And you did. And, and was mom right? 6.35 p.m. Wow. Yes. <laughs> so unlocking that number, what did that mean for you? So that means I know I'm a cancer rising. Yeah. The rising sign is the thing that moves the fastest in the chart because the earth is spins like one full rotation every day, right? And so in a 24-hour period, you're going to go through all 12 signs. So if you don't know what time of day you're born... Yeah. then you're not going to know. Once you get into the like uh, houses and all the ways that you can kind of read a chart and see um, what it's supposed to signify about your life, um, that rising sign really locks in a lot of the other ways that you can kind of bring the chart down to earth. When you talk about, oh, this planet's in this sign, you know, it has kind of like this vibe. <laughs> but like, you're like, okay, but what does that actually like potentially mean? Yeah. We're already getting into this, like, deterministic... <laughs> We're getting so into it. I want to know a bigger picture, because this idea of astrology ties in a lot to what we think of as, like, witchcraft and which mm, communities mm. today. So how does that kind of connect for you? For me, something... This might be a surprising answer, but I'm really into, like, genealogy and history and thinking about, like, what life was like for our ancestors and how human culture has developed. And I'm kind of like have always been interested in just like seeing the ways that like meaning is created over time across cultures, right? Yeah. And astrology and witchcraft and 
tarot or like all these different things that people might be into now, they have these like histories that are actually really fascinating. I mean, a lot of what people might call witchcraft or paganism, like if you actually look at the history of it, it's like, oh, what that's actually describing is cultural spiritualities that are like no longer mainstream, perhaps. Yeah. But like once were just part of a way of life for people. Um, and so I think that's always interesting to be realizing that culture is still always changing and the ways that we make meaning of the world are still like growing and adapting and like probably faster than ever now that, you know, we are also connected to each other. We can, we have like access to so much information about history and about the world. And astrology, I think, is especially nerdy and cool because you get to learn about the history of like astronomy and like how astronomy was conceptualized in different cultures and how over time astronomical traditions kind of like merged with each other. And when you look like 2,000 years ago at this kind of like Hellenistic period where you have like ancient Greece and Mesopotamia and like ancient Egypt, and they have these different ways of understanding astronomy, like literally just measuring um, where are planets in the sky, right? I mean, the ancient Greek uh, word that we get the word planet from uh, meant like wanderers. Really? And so it's this idea that they're like, okay, most of the stars stay in the same fixed locations to each other, right? There's constellations that are always there. But there's these handful of stars that just wander around, and they don't stay in the same place. And just like maybe other ways of divination, like rolling dice or reading tea leaves, the idea was that people could look at where these handful of wandering stars landed at any certain moment of time and kind of like divine an idea of what that might mean for life on Earth. And it was actually kind of, I think, this interesting motivator that helped them like develop the mathematics and the science to like actually like create astronomy like we have it now. Yeah. Because they're like, also, we want to know, will I find love? Because <laughs> I, I think it is a cultural practice, but one that is like so widespread that pretty much everyone has access to it. And it's like a way that we can make some meaning of our lives or a way that we can like think about ourselves in different ways or think about our life from a different perspective. And I think having tools like that are really useful. And it's always fun when it feels eerie or accurate in some way. And you're like, ooh, okay. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned just the fact that there is this kind of connection, especially between a lot of millennial members of the queer community and astrology and, mm. and finding these alternate ways of, of belief and understanding. Mm. Why do you think that is? I mean, I think that for a lot of queer people, creating a like meaning-making project, it has been like a big part of what's happened in like queer communities or queer culture over the last like, I mean, we could say 60 years, or we could say 20 years, however, you know, yeah, yeah. whatever. Uh, however long you want to count it for. Because I think that this in the 60s and 70s, when there was a lot of like gay activism happening, was also the same time that a lot of people started getting into maybe what was at the time called like new age type things. And I think it's because there was this like sense in people that they're like, oh, the blueprint for my life that I have been given isn't actually going to work. And so we got to start building something else. I think people have been very creative. I mean, there's also, of course, a ton of like LGBTQ people who are like, um, I don't actually believe that there's something innate about me that determines who I am. Right. You know, there's there's totally a queer critique of astrology as well. Yeah. Um, but I think that, yeah, the LGBTQ community seems really stoked to toy with the idea of 
what if my life is meaningful in a way that hasn't occurred to me yet? Mm. I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah. Was that part of it for you? I think so. And I think also it was it was also like the water I was swimming in, the air I was breathing. <laughs> yeah. Like because I was I was living in my twenties in Vancouver. Uh, and I was totally surrounded by queer community and everybody was all witchy. <laughs> and so it's like fun, a fun way to connect to the people around you as well. And and nice to be like just in casual conversation. People are kind of giving you feedback on like what like what are your positive qualities and how they come through. <laughs> You're like, oh, OK, let's talk about that. You know, it's yeah. nice. It's a nice way to um, bond with people, mm-hmm. I think. What do you think it means to, to be a witch today? There's a. Uh, definition of magic that I have heard a bunch of people use, which is like using your will to create change in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, And which I think is like a really like beautifully broad definition of like what it might mean. And I think in a similar way to like prayer as a habit or a practice, I think that witchcraft is this way that people can discern what their intentions are for their lives and for the world and like create a like symbolic ritual of some sort that is basically saying like I'm putting it into practice like this is what I want to happen and I think things like that whether they are in the spiritual realm like prayer or like witchcraft or if they're totally secular like I'm doing five gratitude journals a day or you know what I mean like there, I think that practices like that, there's something that's really important for humans about us having this dialogue with our life. Self-reflection, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> A deeper look, right? Yeah, like yeah. actually thinking and, and looking at what you're doing instead of just, just doing it. Mm-hmm. We talk about witches a lot this time of year. Is this a time when you get more people reaching out to you curious about astrology or are you engaging more with it that way? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I am doing my little workshop this month, which is called Haunted Horoscopes, <laughs> um, where we're going to be looking at, like, the history of witchcraft and looking at some of the birth charts of famous people who are authors who write, like, pagan books that are popular, or we might even get into some, like, witch-burning history. Um, so it's going to be cool and interesting, I think, nerdy for people who are into that kind of thing. But, yeah, I, I think that this time of year, people are, like, What's a fun Halloween-y thing to do? Yeah. How about, you know, entertain the possibility of magic? Yeah. <laughs> do you ever get people coming up to you and kind of questioning it and because it's become such a mainstream thing? For sure. How do you deal with that? A few ways. It depends, I guess, exactly what the challenge or question is. Sometimes it's a question of ethics. Um, sometimes people will be concerned that, like, if someone is in a particularly impressionable or vulnerable state and... They're looking for guidance around what to do in their life. I think it's totally fair that people want to know that, like, those offering guidance are coming from a, like, ethical and uh, useful and helpful place and not something that is, like, taking advantage of people or exploitative or anything like that, Mm. which in my experience, any tarot reader or astrologer that I have met is always somebody who's, like, I've learned a bunch of counseling skills off the side just so that I can make sure I'm showing up really well in these conversations if people do bring up something heavy. Because, like, you're sitting down with someone talking for an hour about their life. Yeah. Like, yeah, so much stuff can come up in conversation. (laughs) Um, And it's good to move into those conversations from, like, a solid place, right, that I'm like, I feel like I can 
give the appropriate amount of guidance or reflection or feedback that is going to actually point somebody in a roughly positive direction. Mm. Um, So that's like maybe one. I think also there's also just a kind of question or challenge that people might have, which is like, this doesn't align with my worldview. Like it doesn't, it doesn't make scientific or logical sense that like the orbits of planets around the sun in relationship to (laughs) how we can actually see them from earth would like correlate or cause or whatever, any kind of like earthly events to happen, you know, like other than like, the moon creates tides and there's gravity and right. light or whatever, you know, but these are all things that are scientifically measurable. Yeah. They're like, there's space and then there's me. Mm-hmm. And so I think if somebody is interested in that conversation, that's usually where I'll say like, it's a cultural practice of meaning making. When did you realize that tarot and, and astrology was going to become part of your life's work? Hmm. I think, um, I think when people started asking me how much I charge. (laughs) (laughs) A valid answer. (laughs) Well, because I was so interested in just being able to do as many chart consultations as I could that Mm -hmm. I was offering for free for my friends. And they would kind of pass the word on to friends of friends. And eventually people started just saying like, oh, like, you know, how much does it cost? And I was like, oh, I should probably have an answer to that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> now that it's been asked of me more than once. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to, like, life's work, my career is as a social worker. I, I'm back in school right now getting my master's of clinical social work to hopefully be able to go into um, some kind of uh, counseling practice. And so I think that my greater life's work is, like, having conversations with people that are supportive and help them understand their lives. And... Since astrology is like an interest of mine, this is like a way that I can be doing that right now. I think for so many people, these practices come in and out of our lives. We mm. go through maybe, as you said, hard or difficult times. And so we're reading our horoscopes, maybe looking for some guidance. We do a little tarot reading or get into that practice. But then maybe when things are better, we relax mm. and, and, you know, we pull away a bit. What has made it consistent for you? I think that tarot is something that I actually learned first. I was like more into tarot earlier. Um, and because there's not the same barrier to entry where you need to know the, the facts. <laughs> of exactly Less science. When, yes. Well, when you're bo- just the when are you born? Tarot, it doesn't matter. I always already use tarot more in kind of like a broader way where I'd be like, what's a look at what my like next month could look like in the most positive timeline or, you know, like setting kind of intentions and working with my like calendar, you know? So then when I got into astrology, I was like, oh, that's actually what this is. This is a calendar. Like Mm -hmm. that's part of why it was originally developed was to be telling time and knowing when the right time to plant different seeds are and things like that. And so I was like, how interesting that I can kind of have this loose blueprint of like, oh, this is going to be seen as a good time for this. This is seen as a good time for that. Um, And I can kind of just like remember that life is always full of ups and downs. And I think that's why astrology really captured me is because it also really shows the positive times. And you can take a look at, I don't know, your next year of transits and tell a story about like, oh, this looks like this could be something really positive in my life that if I put effort there, I could really see something beautiful happen. And I think because of that, it feels like it's supportive no matter how you're feeling. If things are feeling good, you can be like, heck yeah. (laughs) 
things are good. You know, <laughs> thank you very much. Um, and if things are harder, you're like, it's temporary. This is just a that's this just a this week thing. Yeah, this is not a rest of my life thing. Yeah, <laughs> that's comforting. It's comforting. Yeah. Well, and today there are so many ways to access this kind of stuff. I mean, there are podcasts, mm-hmm. there are apps where you can pull cards or get daily horoscopes. Does that cheapen at all what astrology is and does, do you think? It depends on what you're looking for, I guess. Mm. Because since when you get nerdy about it, I know I've said this word so many times. I but love this, it, it, it. That is what it is. <laughs> if you get more technical, perhaps, about the way that you're looking at tarot or astrology, you'll see, oh, like this is like a many hundreds or thousands of year tradition <laughs> that's been going on. And so reading a newspaper horoscope, there probably is not a lot of nuance that's captured there. The coffee news just doesn't go deep enough. (laughs) And like, perhaps it's not even written by an astrologer. Maybe it's just a person who wrote some stuff. And if it's important to people that what they're reading is astrology versus like an affirmation, Hmm. right? Then I would say, don't go for, you know, Cosmopolitan magazine or or whatever. Although I think that more and more of the (laughs) bigger magazines have been employing astrologers rather than just like copy editors. Do you think that's because of the demand or do you think? Yeah, I think it's because it's more popular yeah. and people are more like literate in what that actually is. How does that stack up, do you think, to that idea of, of like mm-hmm. where the value lies? Mm-hmm. Where does that square for you as someone who offers these services? There's a lot of things that people can do that make them feel like good and supported in life. If the thing that you're getting out of reading a little horoscope is like, this is a little poem that's making me happy. You know what I mean? I'm like, yeah. I'm all for it. I'm like, go for it. Talking to an astrologer, because a lot of astrologers do consultations, like birth chart consultations, mm-hmm. where you can actually sit down for like an hour, or you can have multiple sessions where you are asking specific questions and be- making action plans about like different parts of your life and how how you want things to go, how you might respond to different troubles that come up or blockages that are in your way. It becomes a lot more nu- nuanced and engaged, mm-hmm. I guess. But it's, it's, that's only if that's what people are looking for. Like, I think most people wouldn't want to sit down and talk about astrology for an hour. <laughs> that, that's just because I'm a weirdo. <laughs> I mean, well, clearly I do. Uh, yes, hello. Because before this, <laughs> Welcome I sent Welcome weirdos you, <laughs> everywhere. I sent you my birth time, mm-hmm. the year, where I was born. Mm-hmm. And then I, I think that was it. But I, I sent you the information needed to create effectively a, a birth chart. Yeah. So based on that... When you look at it, what sticks out to you? So you are Capricorn rising, and you probably know your Libra sun. I know. I remember. I always read the Libra one in the newspaper. And then you have an Aries moon. Okay. And so sun, moon, rising, that's kind of our, like, core when we're looking at um, big picture life direction and personality interpretations. But I would actually say read Capricorn if you want to read your horoscope. Really? Read that one. The rising one. The rising sign. Okay. Because that's actually how astrologers write horoscopes is that they'll take that sign and they'll put it in the rising sign position and then they'll write it based on that. And so it works better for your rising sign. So have we all been reading the wrong horoscopes our whole life? Like, yes. (laughs) (laughs) But that's okay. (laughs) So what does that mean? Tell Tell me a little about myself. Cool. When it comes to just Capricorn traits... Um, often we're talking about people who are determined and sturdy and structured and like to have kind of a long-term plan 
You're giggling as if this is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I'm sitting in front of you with like notes and like there's yeah. two screens. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 And I think the thing that is cool about Capricorn at, you know, it's an earth sign and it's a cardinal sign. There's, there's three signs of each element and each of them is cardinal, fixed or mutable. Um, and so cardinals associated with starting things. Um, and Earth is associated with like the material realm. And so Capricorns like to start stuff. <laughs> but like and are not as intimidated by the idea that it's like, oh yeah, this is like a 20-year thing. But like you gotta start somewhere. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. There's kind of like that methodical persistence. Okay. Um, which is a cool Capricorn trait. And also there's kind of an aging backwards thing where it's like the older you get, the like more and more epic you become. <laughs> <laughs> So like Benjamin Button yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Well, because I think that something that happens with people who are really determined and really have like a strong vision for your life is that the younger you are, the more you kind of judge yourself for being not there yet. But the older you get, the closer and closer you are to getting there to that like epic 75 that, you know, you've been aiming for this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> what if I feel 75 on the inside already? Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> So you're telling me I'm structured, I'm organized, and I get better with age. Yes. That doesn't sound that bad. No, it's a great, great way to be. That's pretty rad. <laughs> I, I, I dare I ask, are there like negative traits associated with Capricorn? Well, yeah. We, <laughs> Tell me something bad about we've myself. All, uh, we've all got our stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say like demanding for that same like structure and output from others, right, that you mm-hmm. hold yourself to. And potentially if you are somebody – who has, who's looking at life of being like, okay, there's like a clear system that we're working within. We all know the rules. When people are like flippantly just like not showing up for the baseline, you're like, uh, hello. <laughs> we, have, we have consensus that that's not how you act. <laughs> <laughs> and something interesting for you too as a Capricorn rising is that since you have Saturn in Pisces, mm. That's where it is in the sky right now. So you're going through your Saturn return, which is like, I think one of those like astrology terms that's becoming like, almost like people know sun, moon rising. They've heard Mercury retrograde mm, yes. and then like Saturn return. I think those are the things that, pe- you know, people are kind of clued in that those are I have things. heard vaguely of Saturn return. Mm-hmm. It, so the idea behind that is it's like every 30 years or something. Mm-hmm. Because the the planets all have their own orbits around the sun that take certain lengths of time. And Saturn of all the visible planets like that we can actually see with our bare eyes is the slowest moving and so it's actually like hasn't been back to the place that it was in the sky since you were born and it's just this is like the first time it's coming back around and it's kind of like a developmental time of life in your like late 20s where you're like okay this is actually like the final like death throes of youth (laughs) like you know it's like you're like adulting is for real at this point (laughs) death throes of youth is a phrase that i am obsessed with now and often there's like some kind of challenge that comes up in our late 20s where we really are like oh this like i there's some responsibility stuff that i not only need to like get up to snuff but this is how it's going to be from now on like like there's actually like a developmental shift happening in me where I am need to be in charge of myself and my life because I am an adult for real. 
it's I mean it happens with for everyone. Yeah, who, yeah. Who lives to be in their late twenties? Of course. And so I would imagine for you that it's more positive, just based on how your chart is set up, because you're born in the daytime. Saturn is said to be kinder <laughs> to those born in the day. Thank you, Saturn. <laughs> How fun is it to sit there across from someone Mm -hmm. and give them some of these tools and ideas to maybe understand themselves a little bit more? Yeah, I love it. And I think it's really fun to see people start thinking about their life and and like creating story around what I'm sharing and being like, oh, my gosh, and right. And they finish my sentence. I think that's just a really like dynamic way to have a conversation. It's cool to see people feeling really like witnessed and understood in a, such a fast way. Um, yeah, that's yeah. very fun. I mean, I'm just excited now that you told me I get cooler as I get older. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> the Loop is a podcast from CBC Edmonton. And our team this week is Leslie Goldstone and Jaskirat Mundare. Our theme music is Change Your Mind by Edmonton musician John Common. And I'm Claire Bonnyman. Thank you so much for listening. The Loop is recorded on Treaty 6 territory, traditional lands of First Nations and Métis communities. If you want to get in touch, send us an email, theloop at cbc.ca. You can leave us a rating or review wherever you download the show. And you can find us on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.